more and more, and I guess as I get older, uh, is this topic of what does it really mean uh, to be a man? Or what does the Bible talk or the scriptures teach about being a man? And the world has a lot to say about that. You see, uh, if you are uh, read the newspaper, watch the news on TV, uh, people have a lot to say about men in general, what are, is expected of men in society, and a lot of things that men should change, and a lot of that's justified. And uh, many, t many times when you are uh, hearing about these subjects, a lot of times what we see is it almost seems like culture suggests there's only two really extremes that a man uh, can be. One of those is as a prof profane brute, basically a caveman. He is he is going he is a going around just fulfilling every desire that may creep into his mind. Uh, you hear these these uh, terms as a describing as a macho man that he's just he doesn't he doesn't feel any pain he doesn't feel any emotion doesn't express any emotion at all but he's going to be he is he is all about uh, being a tough tough guy tough man and then you have on the very uh, uh, far extreme on the other side as if you're not the profane brute then you're soft or a cowardly fellow you may be described as a feminine fellow a sissy a wimp those uh, those types of those types of terms and and what we have to consider as with all of these topics is this what the scriptures teach uh, is there can a man only be of these two extremes or is there a balance uh, between them or is there a way in which a man can maybe take the best ele elements of each of those extremes and be able to uh, balance those things out now the focus of this lesson is going to be about men in the context of a family or in a marriage now I realize that I'm not married and I don't have kids but I think what we can all understand is these if, if we are properly applying the scriptures, it doesn't matter who is teaching this. It doesn't require somebody to have kids or be married to properly understand the roles of a man in the, in the context of a marriage or family. Now, what we're, going to kind of, what we're going to look at and try to piece together in scriptures is, is, is the topic of or the question of can a man be a protector, a teacher, a provider, a protector, and still exhibit characteristics of understanding, gentleness, compassion, hu humility, and meekness. And some of those kind of seem, well, you, in, our, in our culture today, they kind of just seem contradictory to one another. And uh, what we're going to try to do is uh, prove from the scriptures that, yes, you can uh, do that. Now, when we think about being a man, or being a man, a biblical godly man, that it is inexplicably linked to first and foremost of obedience to God, His commands and His statutes, His precepts, etc. Look at First Kings chapter two, verses one through three. It says, "Now the days of David drew near that he should die, and he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth.'" 
Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man, and keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies as is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. Now notice in those few verses that the part of proving yourself a man is linked together with keeping God's statutes, his commandments, all of those things. That you can't be one without the other. You can't be a real man as God intended without following his will, without being faithful to him. Also in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1 through 2, it's not uh, necessarily talking about being a man, but this is, uh, this is relevant to all of those that Moses was speaking to. He says, Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep his, all his statutes and all his commandments which I command you. You and your son and your grandson all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. And we can see various scriptures, specifically in the book of Deuteronomy, and this, this idea goes throughout all, of, throughout all of the scriptures of, again, the preeminence of, of, of having those commandments and also following those commandments. Also, we see this, uh, uh, when we think about being a man, it's tied together with this idea of bravery or courage. We read in 1 Samuel chapter 4 uh, in, in the 9 o'clock class about the Philistines coming together to fight against Israel. And then the ark comes in against the camp of Israel. And they're kind of, they're scared. They're, they, they're know, they know what's going on. That's the ark of the God that's plagued the Egyptians. But notice what they say in verse 9. It says, they say, Be strong and conduct yourselves like men, you Philistines, that you do not become servants of the Hebrews as they have been to you. Conduct yourselves like men and fight. Now, I think we understand that the Philistines is not our example, but what we do see here is they're, what they're saying is, is, although these things are happening, be brave, be courageous, go out and fight against Israel, even though the ark of God is amongst them. We see in Job chapter 38 and verse 3 and the same, the same scripture in chapter 40 uh, in verse 7 that God is questioning Job. And these are rhetorical questions that he, that he asks. We know that Job cannot uh, 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 answer those questions. And what God is trying to prove that he, Job is, of, 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 is not uh, someone who can legitimately question a God and the things that he does. And he says, now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. And, and what we kind of see is, is what God is trying to say is, don't run from this. Don't don't make any excuses uh, that you're going to you're going to have to stand here, take what I'm saying, and answer these things if you can. Also, in First Corinthians chapter sixteen and verse thirteen it says, "Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong." Now that's the New King, New King James translation, First Corinthians chapter sixteen. King the the King James version it will say, I believe, quit yourselves like men. And what's interesting is going back to the, to the Hebrew, to the Old Testament, 1 Samuel 4 and Job, uh, when we see these phrases like prepare yourself like a man, the Hebrew like a man is, is literally defined as being like a valiant warrior. 
And uh, in 1 Corinthians 16, the Greek for be brave literally means to act manly. And I think it's fascinating that you see these phrases like this, and it's just inherently understood that there's some characteristics that, that a man should have. And generally speaking, that a man should have these characteristics in which he's brave, he's courageous, uh, that he's willing to uh, stand for something. And also in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 and 11, again, this is for, uh, this is for everyone who claims to be a Christian, that we have, to have the, uh, uh, we have to have the fortitude to stand against the wiles of the devil. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. This, that's really a fight. It's not a physical fight, but it is a, a fight that we have to endure every day. Every time we wake up, we have to make a choice. Who are we going to serve? We're going to serve God. We're going to serve our own desires. We're going to serve the devil himself. Now, this is a long list. And there's many men on here. But we think about what does a real man look like? Who does God consider to be a real man? And as you look through this list, think about, of all these people, who are the ones that God would, God would say, that is a real man? Uh, you see all these people like Pharaoh, Goliath, the giants in Canaan, Saul. Saul was taller than anyone in Israel at, the, at that time. Pilate, the Pharisees. Think about all of these, all of these men. These were great men, the giants in Canaan. You know, I don't want to fool with any giants. That they were uh, physically, uh, materially, they had great power and authority. But the pe- people like Moses, David, Samuel, Joshua, Cornelius, Paul, and Peter, the one thing that, that stands out with them is although these people, they were not perfect men, they were faithful men. They all were faithful men of God. And they were willing to do uh, even... Uh, for example, maybe not Peter, not all the time, but they were, eventually, all of them were willing to stand uh, for God, His commands, and His will. And so with, when we think about real men, we have to associate that with real men as, or those that are faithful to God, not necessarily the strongest men, the quickest men, the, the mightiest men, uh, uh, that maybe culture seems to say that those are what are, or, or, or God posts as to what real manhood looks like. Another point that we, we look at what real men are, and also we have to understand that men, that they should be leaders. And, and these are simply roles given by God. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 16, this is in the context of Adam and Eve. He says, To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception, and pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. So this is a role that's given from the very beginning by God, that man was going to rule over his, over his wife. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 24, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be their own husbands in everything. So Paul, uh, uh, comparing Christ and the church to the husband and, and wife relationship, just as Christ is head of the church, that the wife should be submissive to their own husband in everything. Now, 
you look at that, and as a man, you're like, mm, you know, I'll, you know, you, you really, you kind of like that. Well, you know, a little bit of, you know, a little bit of an ego boost kind of speak. Well, they're, they're going to have to submit to me. But what you have to understand is there's, uh, there's a, the, the, there's a lot of uh, or a big burden that's placed on you by being a leader, by being the head of the family. This this is a serious endeavor. Ephesians chapter six and verse four, uh, talking to uh, men or the husbands or the fathers of children, that they are to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so, I think what we can see is that's not just taking them to services. Let them listen to what the preacher's saying. Let them listen to what the Bible teacher is saying. This is a constant uh, nurturing, a constant telling them what the Bible says and, and uh, uh, showing them by example of what a godly uh, man or a godly person in general is. Also, it requires them to uh, be caring and, 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 and giving honor to their wife as spoke about it first Peter written about it first Peter chapter 3 and verse 7 that they are to dwell with dwell with their wives with understanding and give honor to them as well and so this is the roles that are intended again by God and there are no no excuses for men who decided they want to have wives decided they want to have children there's no excuse for them to not to give everything that they that they can give to provide for them. They should be willing to give 110% to provide for them and to follow uh, those roles that's been given to them by God. But we also have to understand that a good wife can make his life easier. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. Uh, God describes Eve as a helper to him. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 5, we see uh, uh, them uh, being described as being discreet, chaste, homemakers, obedient to, the, to their obedient to their husbands. That there are many ways in which a wife can simply make his life make his life easier in being a good wife. I think it's interesting in Titus chapter two that one of the descriptions of, of a wife is simply good, and, I, and and that she should that being that good wife, uh, having those characteristics will. Uh, make his life easier. And, and we see in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33, that she is supposed to respect her husband. And I was looking at the Greek on that. None of y'all are Greek scholars, but the Strong's translation, I think it's interesting that it's this term of reverence or awe. And uh, as I, I, I guess as I get older and think more and more about these things, one of the things that's interesting to me is a lot of times I may, or even within my own family, I may see that once the a wife of a of of a a wife of a man may get away from him or in a more of a public setting, the first thing that she does is she's Aaron got all their dirty laundry. Well, he didn't do this and he didn't do that and he's doing so bad at this. And I and we should ask ourselves our questions. Are you really showing reverence for your husband when you're doing that? Are you really respecting him when you do that? And for the husbands, if we're to love, uh, love our wives as Christ loved the church, is it, are we going to doing doing the same things? Anybody that can listen, we're 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 talking about how bad uh, they are. Is that is that what we see in that relationship biblically? And of course, in Colossians chapter three and verse eighteen, again as we've as we've talked about. Wife should be willing to submit herself uh, to her husband. Also, men should be protectors. 
And we've just, we just read at the very beginning of our lesson that being a man, part of being a man in scriptures is synonymous with being brave, being valiant. You think about throughout the course of history, of course it's changing now, but throughout the course of the history that generally men were the warriors. They were the ones that are lining up to, in the army to go fight uh, the enemies. And, uh, uh, and, and there's really good reason for that. Physically, generally, men are stronger, they're faster. I was going to put taller, but I was like, well, that does, I'm going to, that'd be kind of hypocritical for me to say that. But uh, uh, you know, generally, there's, 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 men are better equipped to, 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 to handle those things. And on the flip side, women are, and some are better equipped to handle other things. And uh, in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7, uh, women are described as being the weaker, weaker vessel. And, uh, of course, I think people have multiple interpretations for what that actually means. I believe that he's literally saying that she's a weaker a vessel physically and, and in some other aspects. But regardless of that, when you think about if you have a, you know, I think about having a ceramic bowl or uh, some china, something that's very fragile. You don't sit there and put, you, you, don't, you don't sit there and put those things in the wide open so that they can, those things can be easily broken. You're going to protect that, those fragile things in some manner. You're going to put them up high on a counter so a pet or a child can't knock them down and break it. And, and I, think that's, I think that's what Peter is trying to say here, that, he, that you're going to protect them from certain things. You're either going to protect them physically, you protect them from the world, from those sinful influences. You do what you can uh, to protect uh, your wives from all those uh, things or those dangers in, in the world. Uh, and, and also, so they're going to be uh, provi- uh, uh, protectors. You see that they're going to be leaders. We'll see, I think we can garner, they're also going to be providers as well. We see in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 16 and 19 that this role of toiling in the earth, of, of working uh, to uh, have bread to eat, that role is given to Adam. It is that that role is primarily given to the man himself. Now, I think we can understand throughout the scriptures and even in the New Testament that, of course, women can work, but we see that primary role of the breadwinner that's given to the man himself. Uh, also, in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8, if you'll turn there, 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8. It says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And so I think we talked a little bit about this last week, but again, he's saying that I think what, one of the points he's making is that even an unbeliever is going to inherently is going to provide for, provide for his own. And if, you, and if you don't do that, if you're a Christian and you don't do that, you're worse than an unbeliever. You don't love uh, you can't really say that you love uh, or can't say that you really have a, a faith in God if you do not fulfill uh, this role. And it's a primary role for uh, men, if they're able to, to provide for their household uh, financially uh, and, and spiritually as well. And they also, again, they're supposed to be uh, teachers. And primarily, uh, uh, that we, we see that men are to be the teachers, the preachers, deacons, or elders uh, in the church. They are to be the teachers of, 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 of Christians uh, in uh, this congregation. We see that role given in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 11. 
says, let a woman learn in silence with all submission. At 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 34 through 35. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 34 and 35. It says, let your women keep silence in, in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. Or did the word of God come originally from you, or was it you only that it, that it reached? If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. So again, the women are to learn in silence, in submission. Uh, they're not given that role uh, to be uh, the teachers uh, in the congregation. Also in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. Uh, I, don't, I must have misplaced that. But again, uh, I don't even know why I have that up there. That, I, I must have had a typo on that. But again, uh, this is, And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up to the training and admonition of the Lord. I'm supposed to have something else up there but again I think we can see from that and from other verses that these roles of teaching and preaching being elders in the church those things are given uh, to uh, the men in the congregation and the women are to be silent and submissive uh, to that but as we move along we see these roles given to men protector teacher provider leader but we also have to understand that when the context of a husband and wife relationship, kind of switching gears here, that they're going to be loving and cleaving to their wives. We see in Ephesians chapter 5, in verses 25 through 31, that men are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her, to, present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their wives of their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For, the, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And so again, we've already looked at these few verses, but notice he says in verse 25, Love your wife just as Christ also loved the church. Now how much did Christ love the church? Well, he, was, he loved it enough so that he was willing to die for it. He's doing whatever is necessary uh, so that they could uh, uh, have a home in heaven with him. And he also, he also says to love, uh, love, your, love your wives as their own bodies. Uh, and, and so, again, we have all, uh, you're not going to sit there and tear down or, or, uh, or you know, kind of uh, do uh, evil to your own body. You're going to continue wanting to do what's best for your own selves, and you want to seek to uh, do what's best for your wife as well. We also see in Colossians chapter 3 in verse 19, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 19 again says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. So again, we see, we see there's, there's uh, roles for each uh, 
person in that in that relationship. Wives are to uh, respect, submit to their husband, but their husband is supposed to be loving and caring uh, and towards their wives and be willing to do whatever is necessary for them. Also, in First Peter chapter three and verse seven, we've already uh, looked at this uh, as well. But they are to dwell with understanding with them, uh, give honor to them. And when we think about dwelling with understanding, I'm sure there's a lot of older men that can give a little bit more insight on this, but I don't think when we talk about dwelling with understanding, you can't, you can't really have a lot of understanding unless you, unless you seek understanding. There should be communication, talking with that spouse, understanding what are their needs, what are their wants, what are things that... Uh, irritate them? What are things that make them happy completely? uh, And and you're trying to understand uh, more about them. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 3 and verse through 5, we see that you should be willing to give due affection uh, to your wives and not withholding that from them. And also a few more verses that we have as men, we we see that aspect of loving and cleaving to the wives and also the characteristics of men. Now, this is more general, but again, this is, this is given to all Christians, and so that therefore all Christians are able to acquire these characteristics, that they are to be humble and gentle. In, in Titus chapter 3, in verse 2, Titus chapter 3, in verse 2, Titus chapter 3, in verse 2, it says, To speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. So therefore, these characteristics that a Christian is supposed to have, they're not going to be uh, causing or trying to provoke a fight every chance that they have. They're going to be known by their gentleness. They're always going to be wanting to uh, uh, put out the fire rather than to to provoke or poke that fire to make it even larger. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12 This is uh, in the context of putting off the old man, putting on a new man. We had a lesson on these a while back. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12 says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. And part of that, again, is being a Christian, is you're supposed to put off all those things associated with the world, that old man, that sinful man, and put on these new characteristics. And as we... We talk about this, and and we see that same idea in James chapter three and verse seventeen about the wisdom that is from above. Is that when we think about what God wants for man, how he's supposed to, uh, how he's supposed to be, uh, even uh, even if he remains single or even if he is married uh, and has kids. He can't really properly fulfill his roles of being a man without being a Christian, without, without submitting uh, to God. We see that very first point that you, God can't, you can't really be the man God intended unless you be obedient, obedient to him. And so if you are not, if you want to be that, that man that God intended, what you first have to do is you have to, uh, you have to become a Christian. You have to become a part of that, uh, become part of his kingdom and to do what's necessary uh, to, do the, to do that, to believe in him, to repent of him, to, to, to repent of your sins and to confess Christ as Lord, to, to put, him on in, uh, uh, put him on in baptism for the remission of sins. 
And even, you know, even that we see that's a, a continual process of growing and putting off that old man, putting on that new man that it takes work. And we see that uh, a lot of times that even as Christians, we can uh, slack in that, that we can't fall away from, from what uh, God intended us for, for it to be. And for, uh, and for uh, Christians today, you know, if we have done that, then we need to do what's necessary to, 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 to solve that. We need to repent of our sins. We, if we need to be, we need to confess uh, those sins to uh, the saints here. We need to get uh, the saints to pray uh, for, for us. And so I would ask if anyone here uh, who needs to, uh, to do those things, to do what's necessary to be that, or this is not just for men, this is for women as well. If, 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 if you want to uh, become a part of that kingdom, become a Christian, or if you just need the, need the prayers of the saints or uh, to confess any sin that you may have, we offer this time of invitation now as we stand, as we sing, will you come?